How long does it take until all the suggestions that we gave a client and how all the changes that we initiated in a session have shown results or show results? This is a question that probably a number of hypnotists wonder how that works. Welcome to the fifth episode of Hypnotalks Questions and Answers with Axel Hombach and Dr. John Butler. This time we are going to deal with this question, how effective suggestions are, how long it takes until they show results. This is based upon a question of a colleague that we found in one of the Facebook forums, which is worth discussing because here a lot of conceptions and misconceptions can be cleared. I'm currently online as you have probably guessed with Dr. John Butler, and we are going to tackle this question. My name is Axel Hombach. I'm the leading hypnotist and head of the Hypnose Zentrum Köln. As I said, I'm currently online with Dr. John Butler of the HDI, which is the Hypnotherapy Training International, the leading school of hypnotherapy in hypnosis internationally. Let's say hello to John. Good morning, John. Good morning, Axel. Now, you've heard the introduction. We've already talked a little bit about that. I'm now going to read to you the full text of the question and then let's see where it leads us. Our colleague asks, how long does it take in your experience for all the changes that were initiated or dealt with in a session to be completed? On one hand, it's clear that a lot happens immediately, but again and again, I have clients telling me that then after three months, a lot happens again. And a lot has happened in the three months after the session. What are your experiences? John, I think on the surface, it seems an easy question, but when we look deeper into it, it has several layers. It covers also topics that we've already touched in other episodes, like what is the readiness for change in a client? Have we managed to, to optimize that? Or uh, does the client have secondary gains? Or how is the client's will to fail? I remember, for example, from your trainings that I attended, that you mentioned that many clients come to our sessions because they want to fail for whatever reason and we need to change that then other layers of the questions involve how do you structure the the suggestions are they optimized for the client then also how can we know what the client exactly needs so this is a big bunch of various aspects of these questions and with your experience of now almost 40 years. How would you say can we help our colleague with this question? Well, thank you, Axel. Uh, it's a very interesting question. I think there's several major aspects to the question uh, that I would like to quickly answer based on my experience and uh, my studies as well of other people's work and the research such as it exists out there on, on the whole processes of change because it's a very mysterious process yet at this point in the study of psychology we know certainly a good deal about motivation and we know certainly about how the subconscious mind 
can respond very differently to the same suggestions, maybe at different times for that individual, or very different between different people. And it does require us to take a much more nuanced and complex view of the subconscious than that old oversimplified view of the passive subconscious responding automatically like an automaton to the suggestions coming from the therapist. We know it's much more complex and I think the person who wrote that question has recognized that that person was responding and changing right down the line later on and at that point it's often their own choices, their own reinforcement of their behavior and changes that they're already making and it's little to do with the therapist but to start with very quickly what do we know about how we learn how we make changes in the brain well with modern neurology we can see that synaptic changes are very quick there are observable changes in milliseconds happening at the synaptic level but it can take days for weeks to weeks for uh, these to become stable and be established become permanent and old patterns become unreinforced that are unreinforced begin to deteriorate and degenerate some level of memory things of course are held back in the subconscious if we think in those terms but of course we're talking about the brain here and how it's responding to hypnosis when we look at those modern studies and responding to suggestions is very complex i've often said we don't our clients don't respond simply to our suggestions they respond to their own responses and what i'm getting at here is that there's an inner complexity going on and they can respond to some of our suggestions very effectively but seemingly reject or neglect to respond to any great extent to other suggestions because they're not ready for them they're not committed to them and it's only when those suggestions become part of this con the client's own world view as it were they will then take them in and become self-reinforcing with them i think the old model which there's some value to this that it's like a garden the mind we plant the seeds and depending on the soil the quality of the soil and how well those seeds are nurtured we can see changes changes then accordingly. You mentioned about readiness for change, commitment to change, which is so crucial because your suggestions have to take that into account in dealing with emerges and dealing with what the client is bringing with to you. Your suggestions, for example, for somebody who's getting ready to change but is still very hesitant and fearful perhaps, your suggestions are emphasizing much more about how much they want change, how beneficial and it is for them and all the pluses that they are going to get from those changes. Now, as opposed to somebody who is already there in that commitment stage and your suggestions are more geared to carrying out the change. So our suggestions have to be very well structured, personalized, and not just uh, relying on the standard script alone. And the suggestion taking into account alibis, secondary gains, the need to take responsibility, constructive use of the rewards and punishment and so on, and the therapeutic relationship, generating that therapeutic context for change. All of those are huge factors affecting how the client is responding to the specific words that we give them. And if you think about it, we can be sometimes a bit arrogant and assume the clients are only responding to us. But when they go home, there are significant others who may have much more effect on that client's life, on their minds, than we have.
Now, all of that being said, a good therapist is looking out for those factors, carefully looking with how the suggestions are working with the client. And we do see these complex reactions, as the writer of that question has mentioned, which again shows very clearly the client is a very active participant in the change. Erickson said the client must have their own learning. The answer is in the subconscious, their answers, but they have to be helped to get there. And we are not the ones running the show as much as we might like to think so at times. We can't just set a goal for a client and say, well, that's it now. I've made up my mind about what your goal is. We're moving the client along a path, a continuum towards beneficial outcomes that they've determined and that we've examined with them. And we are helping them to learn to make their changes. And when those ideas have been implanted well in the mind, frankly, I think what we've created is a bridge to the new change, the new behaviors, the new thoughts, feelings and actions. And it's not that the therapist is sitting in the person's brain for 20 to 30 years and controlling and influencing the client in that way. We certainly have put in a memory, which might in some instances have gone in, been accepted very powerfully and produced strong effects. But it's the client's own self-reinforcement that is the most important key to long-term success, that they've absorbed those suggestions and have internalized them and are responding at different levels of their minds, which we're calling subconscious, which they don't really understand usually a great deal about. And frankly, the therapists, we're not omnipotent. We don't know. And if we believe we're doing it all, we've been very misled in our trainings. Good therapists know that the client's understanding and participation is critical. You see that in the work of Dave Elm and Gil Boyne and many, many others in Ericsson as well. And they are all emphasizing that much of our change is complex and mysterious. And the short-term effects of therapy, which are often very automatic and often just, you know, have a large placebo element, while they can be very helpful, they're not the most important often in the long term. Now, they set the ball rolling, so they, as I say, can be very important. But for long-term success... The client has to have the necessary learning where old programs, beliefs, etc., which battle with the new positive suggestions, which may cause the client to go up and down then and backslide at times, those battles are actually very useful because they're part of their learning. And as a therapist working with the clients in this dynamic two-person approach of therapy is helping the client understand and overcome their obstacles their fears, and so on. A therapist that only wants to do a one-session therapy, which might be very short-lived in its effects. Now, for some people, I have to say, gearing them up for a one-session therapy, if that was all that was available or decided by the therapist and the client together, that could be very powerful. But for other clients, it's just not going to be appropriate. And I have to say, as well as that, if you listen to the work of Dave Elman clearly in his recordings... Yes, I wanted to just mention Dave Elman, who seems to be very opposed to the one-session approach. Well, I think, Axel, that's a misunderstanding and a misrepresentation even. If you listen to his recordings, which we have, I certainly have heard him say it, and it always stuck in my mind, he said... Hypnotherapy, hypnoanalysis, for example, is not a one-shot therapy. It is not a one-session therapy. He said, I don't believe, and this is virtually quoting him directly, he said, I don't believe a session of hypnoanalysis ever cured anybody, 
but it can do them a great deal of good. In other words, he's saying that just finding a trauma or a very powerful sensitizing event on its own is not a cure. There's work to be done. There's understanding, reinforcement, a series of processes the client is going through in their mind as they change. You know, when they've got more complex problems. I mean, we're not talking about a smoker here. And so magically finding the only powerful trauma, which comes from the kind of Freudian view of the unconscious, which is really out of date by now for a long time, but still exists in the hypnotherapist's minds, uh, a lot of them anyway, or finding the right depth of trance. These are simplistic, out-of-date ideas that really haven't, don't produce the results often that are claimed, but they're good marketing tools. Now, if you take the smoker example, many smokers, if they have a great difficulty in giving up, and I've done most of my smokers on a one or two sessions, the majority on one session for over 30 years, but I never say or guarantee that it'll be one session. I say, let's see, we're aiming for a one session, best, quickest possible result, of course, but you don't say it to the client, but you know that they may go through different difficulties. They may give up the tobacco, but then be eating too much, drinking too much alcohol, and so on. And interestingly, when they come back, and if they've had a lot of stress in their lives, and they've cut down a lot, and they've gone days without smoking, but then they've relapsed a little, which is their decision, their choice, remember? Well, then you need to look into that. And interestingly, they might, as it's in that question, they might say, well, it's very interesting, even though I only had one session of therapy with you, I'm sleeping much better because they've learned the power of relaxation and had some good suggestions for being relaxed. And now they're getting deeper, better quality sleep. So even in the simpler problems, the reactions and responses to suggestions are multi-level. They're complex in their effects and in their long-term effectiveness. Mostly, I believe, that creating this bridge to their new behavior, which causes the client then to become self-reinforcing in their change is really the best and simplest way to look at this complex issue of good programming, which itself is a great art to produce the very best suggestions for the client. It's known that Milton Erickson could sometimes spend two days developing the best programming script for a client. Okay, John, because we are already coming to an end with our time, from what you say, if I were to summarize that, considering the neurological changes that you mentioned in the beginning, that when we have a session with our clients and give them our suggestion based on their assumed needs, then our suggestions, which are basically offers that we give them, they already have an immediate response in the brain, new synapses are building up, new connections are being generated. And so it can happen that there is this immediate change that we then realize that perhaps the smoker doesn't smoke for a few days because there's new fresh energy in this synaptic bonds. And But what then happens is that this needs to stabilize. Depending on the environment in which this client then is after our session, that then is partly responsible how strong these new synaptic bonds become and how long-lasting the effect is. On the other side, because the question said that a lot happens in three months after the session or a lot happens after three months, 
that sometimes it takes a lot of time for the synapses to balance themselves out, which becomes stronger than the other bonds. And are the oldest deteriorating, unconnecting, and are the new ones becoming reinforced? All this is a very delicate environment in which that happens. And so that's the crucial time that after some time everything can be back to the old situation or the new synapses can take hold and the new behavior can establish itself as the new behavior, the dominant behavior. Would that be, from your point of view, uh, reasonably summarized? Yes, Axel, that's, I think, a good summary of a, a very complex answer or long answer I've given to a complex question. The old hypnotists, of course, used to say, allow about three weeks to get the full, fuller effects of the suggestions. Really? That was the old hypnotists? Yeah, but at least they were recognizing that it takes time for them to become stabilized and reinforced while the old ones the old let's call them the negative unwanted synaptic connections are becoming dormant now they're not they haven't disappeared completely because that person has a memory of being as for example a smoker and in a stressful situation in the early days after giving up it might be that they slip into that pattern again And now the new, powerful, positive, good suggestion we've given them, those synaptic connections have become dormant. So we have to reinforce the new ones, the good ones again. So it is a very, as you say, delicate process sometimes. And sometimes change is very quick, very dramatic. That's wonderful. And it may be permanent. But also in other cases, as you know, there's a, quite a good bit of work to be done in working with those levels of their mind and the regression, the hypnoanalysis or analytical hypnotherapy, as we prefer to call it, is very, very necessary too. I remember from one of Gil Boyne's videos, I think it's Bud, where he says, we are not bringing our client from A to B. We set him on his way to the place where he wants to be. Absolutely. We're moving along the path and that's his journey, his learning, We don't take that from him. We certainly want him to have that learning and growth and great successes for himself or herself. So, coming to an end now, John, any last words for our listeners today? Well, first of all, Axel, uh, thanking everybody who's given us questions. But please keep them coming. We're delighted to have these informal discussions and I'm always delighted to speak about hypnotherapy. It's a passion of mine, of course, and I, uh, I know a lot of people out there are very passionate about it. And yes, the questions uh, that we're getting are really very good questions and they go deep into the subject matter. They're not superficial and uh, they require us to think deeply about our work so that we can understand the marvelous complexities and possibilities of the human mind and use them and see that complexity as great you know in a very positive way is great learning that we can understand about the mind as we progress in our learning if we are progressing and also help other people with their goals their learning so that's terrific a terrific work to be doing so thank you axel and thanks to everybody and thank you john for your insights and let's Then, in a week, continue with our sixth episode. Have a great day, John, and bye for now. Thank you, Axel. Looking forward to that. Bye for now.